Thank you for joining us for this week's broadcast of A Word from the Lord. Today is the second part in the teaching series, Turkeys and Eagles. Today's message is entitled, Created to be Like God. Here now is our speaker, Dr. Foley Beach. This morning is the second in a series of sermons that we've been sharing from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. So if you have your Bible, if you go ahead and open to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to study that passage in detail. Just a quick review. Last week we heard about Bubba the eaglet. And if you remember Bubba, he uh, was abandoned by his mama. And she ended up taking off, not sure where she ended up, but he was hungry, ended up with a flock of turkeys and began to be raised as a turkey, although he was an eagle. And after a while he figured out that things weren't quite the way they ought to be, and he started asking questions and found out from his turkey friends that he was actually a buzzard. And for a long time he thought he was a buzzard, and then he eventually realized that he was an eagle. And we tied that into so many of us as Christians, how we've been turkeyized. And rather than practicing New Testament Christianity, we've been practicing too many places churchianity. And so we're looking at Paul's letter to the Ephesians to hopefully break us out of some of this churchianity that we tend to practice. Rather than soaring with the eagles, too many of us are gobbling with the turkeys. Now last week we looked at a worthy calling. This morning we're going to look at created to be like God. Created to be like God. Michael Ulrich has said, someone has quipped, it's harder to soar with eagles when you work with turkeys. We live in a world with a lot of people who have no desire to soar. If you're not aware, you'll be grounded with the rest of humanity, never soaring to the heights that God intended. Doesn't that sound like too many Christians? We're grounded because we're unaware. We don't know. We haven't been taught rather than being able to soar like an eagle. Now, turkey thinking says this, living as a Christian is no different than everyone else. Living as a Christian is no different than everyone else. Eagle thinking says, living as a Christian means I think different from everyone else. Now let's look at Ephesians 4.17. Living as a Christian means I think different from everyone else. Verse 17, Paul writes, I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Eagle thinking, Christians think different from other people. Now in this passage, he gives us several things to consider. The first he says that we're to no longer live as the Gentiles do. Now the Gentile in that day basically was a non-Jew. That's who a Gentile is. Probably a good way to translate that or at least to understand it in our thinking is think of an unbeliever. Those who are without the Lord. A Gentile in that day was basically not God-centered. They believed actually in many gods. Their worldview was very heathen, very worldly. Very, apart from being God, the whole thinking of their mind had nothing to do with God. 
You must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Now, the key of how we live is how we think. And these people were lost in the uselessness of their thinking, in the futility of their thinking, in the senselessness of their thinking. They were lost in that. Verse 17, he says, don't live like this in the futility of their thinking. It reminds me of Romans 1.21, that passage that describes the depravity of humanity and the steps they go through. Verse 21 of Romans 1, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Doesn't that sound like many in the American church today? You wonder, I can't even tell they're Christians. They're thinking so messed up. You wonder, is this Christianity? This turkeyism creates a progression, and you see it in these verses. The first is futile thinking, and that leads to darkened understanding. Your understanding just it begins to get dark. Then that leads to a separation from the life of God. God's awareness and presence in your life is, is no longer. You don't sense him there. Then that creates a hardening of the heart. You lose sensitivity. Your conscience no longer is pricked. You no longer can sense the spirit of the Lord. Your conscience no longer is that alarm clock when you're about to do something you shouldn't do. And then that leads to indulging in impurity and doing those things that you shouldn't do. Verse 19. And then verse 19 also talks about, then that leads to a lust for more because that impurity doesn't satisfy. It might satisfy for one moment, but then there's like an addiction and you crave and you have to have more. You lust for it. And this is what these people think. This is the way they think. And they think this is life with God. This is Christianity. This is what it's all about. This is the life of faith. But it's pure turkeyism. You'll never soar in the spiritual life with this kind of thinking. And this is why Paul says in verse 17, you must no longer live like this. It's a dead end road. It leads you off course. Turkey thinking says, I'm a sinner always in need. I'm a sinner always in need. Eagle thinking says, I'm created to be like God. I'm created to be like God. Verse 20. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Hear that? You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Those previous verses. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Eagle thinking, I'm created to be like God. Now, I'm not saying created to be God. There's a difference. That's what most of our problems are anyway. We want to be God. We want everything to revolve around my agenda. I want to be Lord of my life. Everything revolves around me, myself, and I. I'm not saying that. We're called to live like God. Now, again, the key to how we live is how we think. Now, in verse 22, he talks about the old self. That's our former life, our life without Christ. 
my existence before he entered my life. We put it off. We get rid of it. But why, he says in verse 22, because it's corrupted and it's being corrupted. And then verse 23 talks about the new self. That's our life in Christ. And it starts with the attitude of the mind, he says in verse 23. And and then 24, he says it's created to be like God. Now this also creates a progression. It says they came to know Christ, verse 20. They had heard and then they were taught the truths of the gospel. Then the second thing that happens is you then put off your old self, verse 22. Verse 23, then we renew your attitude. In verse 24, you put on the new self. In 5, verse 24, you become like God in your thinking and in your behavior. Now the message, the new translation of the Bible, translates these verses this way. I think it's a great way to express it. He writes, you learned Christ. My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him having been well instructed in the truth, precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have an excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it and then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into our conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. Now this being like God, I don't know if you think about this at all, but if I asked you the question, is your life like God's? Or if I asked you, do you think your life reflects God? You'd say, no way. You gotta be kidding. Most of us focus on our sins and our unrighteousness and the things we don't do. Some of us would say it's even spiritually arrogant to make such a statement, spiritual pride. But I want you to consider a few thoughts. The first is, remember the story of Adam and Eve? They were in the garden, and God told them that they could eat anything but don't eat of the fruit of that one tree. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 5, we're told that the tempter came... And he deceived them. But part of the deception is that they were already like God. Genesis chapter 3, verse 5. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Well, part of the deception was that they were already like God. In Genesis chapter 1, we're told in verse 26. God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. They were already created like God. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Verse 31, God saw all that he made and it was very good. So when they took the fruit... And they ate. They were already like God. They already knew good. So what did they gain from that transaction? Alienation from God and evil. That's what we call the fall. And then we're told, 
that humanity goes a long time trying to get right with God. And in the first century, Jesus comes on the scene in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. We're told that he is the visible expression of the invisible God. If you want to know what God looks like, you look at Jesus. And then 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we're told that those who receive Jesus into their heart, into their lives, and begin to follow him, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Something new happens. And what happens is the Spirit of God comes and indwells. We call it being born again, where the Spirit makes your spirit alive and you're a new creation. And the Spirit of God literally comes and indwells in us. Now, who is that, though, that is indwelling us? It's God. So if we're living our life the way we're supposed to, God in the presence of the Holy Spirit is literally in my life as I live my life, and I'm supposed to be coming like him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we hear the story of Moses going up on the mountain. And if you remember the story of Moses, he'd go up on the mountain to meet with God. And while he was with the Lord, the glory of the Lord was there, God's literal presence, and it would affect Moses. And he'd come down glowing, almost like a light bulb. People could tell that he had been in the presence of the Lord. And so Moses would put a veil over his, kind of like a bag over his head so people wouldn't see the glory of the Lord fading. Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we're told, verse 16, whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. So as you and I grow in our faith and we walk with the Lord, one of the things that's supposed to happen is that you and I moment by moment by moment are becoming more like God, more like him. But most of us wouldn't say that. We bought into the turkeyism. I'm such a sinner. I'm no good. We've been created to be like him. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity. The church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ and to make them little Christ. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. It is even doubtful, you know, whether the whole universe was created for any other purpose. A turkeyism is the thinking which says, I'm just a sinner and I'm stuck. Eagle thinking says, I am created in the image of God. I'm a child of God. I have the spirit of God living within me. I'm created to be like him and reflect his character in all that I say and do. Well, Ephesians 4.24 here tells us that we're created to be like God in holiness and righteousness. And then he demonstrates some of those characters in the next few verses. He gives examples of what being like God is. Verse 25, first speaking the truth. 
Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Friends, Christian people should reflect the character of God, and God is the truth. We should be people of the truth. We tell the truth. We live the truth. We act the truth. Next, he says, not sinning with our anger. Verse 26, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Not sinning with our anger. Anger is a natural emotion. It's part of our emotional makeup as human beings. But we're to be angry and not sin. We're to be angry and not hurt somebody. We're to be angry and not destroy something. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't go to bed angry. It gives the devil a foothold in your life. Then he says to work instead of stealing. Verse 28. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Stop stealing. Get a job. If you need food, work for it. But not just work for it. Work enough where you can help other people in need. And then he says appropriate speech. Verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful in building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Appropriate speech, what we say with our words. This week I came into the office and uh, we got to talking about a certain person and a situation and before long we were just laughing. If you know our staff very well at all, we all like to laugh and I mean, we were laughing and having a good time at this person's expense. And it hit me a little later that that wasn't right. It wasn't helpful. It wasn't building them up. And then he says to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. The next few verses, verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness Rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Forgive each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Now, there's a bad theology kind of floating around right now, and it says something like this You don't have to forgive anybody unless they forgive you or come and ask your forgiveness. Well, I want to say that's not exactly the way it's supposed to work. How has Christ forgiven us? Well, think first, 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on a cross so that we might have forgiveness of our sins. And those of us who receive him as our Lord and Savior, we are forgiven of everything we've ever done and everything we'll ever do. It falls under the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible calls this being justified. Justified, one of these religious words that we kind of throw out. Justified means that God views me just if I'd never sinned. That when God thinks of me, when God looks at my life, looks at 
my situation, because I'm a Christian, that God views me just if I've never sinned. He views me through the cross, through the blood of Jesus, which purifies all of that. I've been justified. So I'm forgiven. Thank you, Lord. I'm forgiven of my sin. But why do we have to confess our sin then? As 1 John 1, 9 says, if God's forgiven me, why do I have to confess it? It's for us. It's for us. It's so that I might be healed. It's so that I might be cleansed. It's so that I might be repentant. So that I might be convicted. So that I might be renewed in the Holy Spirit. It's for us. Now listen carefully. For us to forgive as Christ forgives means that we release them from the offense. We release them up. Now, yes, they should still come and ask our forgiveness. But my forgiveness is not a condition of them coming and asking. I'm already forgiving. This is what it means to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. Now, if not, if I don't do this, what happens? Someone does something, I get hurt. I fester and I I nurse that hurt for a little while and then it turns into resentment. And then I get resentful for a little while and then my resentment turns into anger. And then I nurse that anger for a little while and then it turns into bitterness. And then God and Jesus has given us the ability to be like him again, to be the fullness of who we're supposed to be in Jesus You see, so many of us are missing out because we are not living the lives that he's called us to live. John 10.10 says, he's come, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. We're missing out of Galatians 5.22, which says the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. All those wonderful qualities we're missing out. And we're missing out on the life of faith. Being able to trust God and walk with God and know God in all the affairs of our lives. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. You see, there should be definitely something about us that's different from the people in the culture. We have Jesus, the Son of God, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, living within us and empowering us. There should be something different. But we've been turkeyized. I want to encourage you this morning to soar with the eagles. To be who you were created to be. You were created to be like Him. Live it. Do it. You're somebody in Him. That was Dr. Beach with today's message. For more information on this message and this ministry, please visit awordfromthelord.org. There you will find today's message and previously aired messages, where you can listen to them again and share them with friends and family. Awordfromthelord.org has audio archives of Foley Beach's one-minute radio feature and much more. So visit awordfromthelord.org. You can find A Word From The Lord on Facebook, and be sure to click the Like button to follow our feed on Facebook. 
you'll want to be sure to visit Foley's blog at bishopfoleybeach.blogspot.com. You can also follow Foley on Twitter. His Twitter address is twitter.com at Foley Beach. If you have any comments or questions about the program, you can contact Dr. Beach by email at foleybeach at a word from the Lord.org. Again, his email is foleybeach at a word from the Lord.org. You can contact us by mail. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia 30655. Our mailing address again is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia 30655. A word from the Lord is made possible by God's grace through the continued prayers and loving financial support from you. And we thank you for this opportunity to spread the hope of the gospel of Christ through this ministry. Join us again next time for the next broadcast of A Word from the Lord. For Dr. Beach and everyone here at A Word from the Lord, it is our prayer that you would be seeking A Word from the Lord.